Psalm 5 and Proverbs 6. So if you want to start turning to Psalm 5, that'd be good. The, the title of the communion meditation is The Hatred of God. I, I know that's a strange title, uh, a strange topic. Um, it just came about because it was the next section in the book that I'm reading on Christ by Isaac Ambrose. And of course, I considered over it. <laughs> but if it's in the Bible, then we need to preach it. We need to ascend to it. And so that's what we'll do today. And I think it's going to be very appropriate for our communion meditation. So please stand with me as we read Psalm 5. We'll read verses 4 and 5. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. Psalm 6, I'm sorry, Proverbs 6. And uh, then we'll be reading verses 16 through 19. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Let's pray. Dear Father, we, we do ask um, for your help in, in approaching this topic as we come to your table. I do pray that you'll keep me from error, and I do pray that your words fall upon soft hearts. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, God is not ashamed to let us know about His hatred. We read these verses. There's another passage like it in Hosea. And if we expand our search beyond hate to abomination, and those things are parallel, we see them as parallel even in Proverbs 6.16 here, then there's even more verses on this topic. God's not hiding this from us. He's, he's proactively presenting this to us. He even wants us to sing about it. Remember the Psalms are songs, and that's what we read from the beginning. I was wondering, as I read this, if the hatred of God is an attribute of God. There are, there are a list of the attributes of God in systematic books. There's like Pink's book, and there's communicable and incommunicable attributes and all these things. So I was looking through them, and I didn't see the hatred of God as an attribute in any of those books. And the only place that I really saw it sort of chunked out was John Frame's Systematic Theology, where he's got a section called The Hatred of God, and I'll rely upon that pretty heavily today. But it's not really an attribute. See, attributes are consistent. They're intrinsic. They're always there. And... Um, as John Frame points out, uh, 
God is not always hating. There's no hatred in the Trinity, for example. Really, God's hatred flows out of other attributes. Attributes such as power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Thank you, Lydia, for helping me to remember catechism number four. Those are attributes of God, His holiness, goodness, justice, power, and truth, whatever it was. Um, those things that God is consistent at necessarily produces His hatred. So God, God's hatred is more of an, of an action based upon His attributes. Now, the other thing that we sometimes question with ourselves is, is God more a God of love or a God of hate or vengeance? And according to A.W. Pink, there are more references to anger, fury, and wrath in the Bible than to His love and tenderness. I think that's something that we should consider. But just because there is more of that does not mean that that is God's primary character or that it is greater than His love. And I think that the statement that we see in 1 John 4, that God is love, that's a very strong, consistent statement. And we don't see something strong and consistent on God's hate. So I just want us to have a balance of this, to understand that God's hatred is something that we need to see. But when we look at the totality, we see God's love as proclaimed as a consistent attribute. The other thing I want us to think about is sometimes in the way that we read the Bible, it seems that there is a contradiction. It seems that we are being told to do two different things to hate and to not hate, or to love and to hate. Let me give you some examples. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, He tells us that we are not to hate our enemy, but to love him. Sounds pretty direct. But then we also have an, have an improved example of hating in David in Psalm 119. It was in our, Psalm 119 was in our, our, our liturgy today. David said this, I hate the double-minded but I love your law. So is there a contradiction here? Well, we say no. We, we know that there, if there's any contradiction that we see in the Bible, it's only an apparent contradiction and we don't understand. God is one and His Word is true. So our presupposition is that the Bible does not contradict itself. It cannot. So how are we to think about this? How are we to resolve you know, this, this tension here? Well, there's a number of angles that we can look at this from. Some are good, some not so good. One of those angles is maybe, maybe hate isn't the opposite of love. Or maybe hate isn't always the opposite of love. Maybe they're not opposed to each other. That sounds pretty good. But when we let the Bible define this, as it does in Proverbs chapter 10... Verse 12, it says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. In, in the Proverbs, we see things set against each other. They're, they're opposites. And Jesus also set them opposed to each other in 
uh, those verses that he talked about loving your enemy. Now, lo- love and hate, according to the Bible, really are opposites. It's really that simple. So, so we can't resolve any contradictions in that way. What about this one? What about hating sin but loving the sinner? We hear that quite a bit. And actually, there is a sense in which this is true. John Frame points out that we can, for example, hate the evil deeds of of people such as Hitler, Stalin, or Xi Jinping, the president of China today. uh, We we prayed about that. Even Gary prayed today against the um, Islamic State. So we can hate their deeds, but also be praying for their conversion. So there there is a sense in which this is true. And also, when we look at the totality of verses on God's hatred, they deal with sin. That's where it starts. And then, then he will often mention the sinner. But it starts with the sin. In other words, the, the sin is the cause of the hatred more than the sinner. So there is some truth to this. However, we have to deal with the fact that the verses that we read today are very clear. It says in plain language that God hates people, hates the wicked who sin, not just the sin itself. Let's look back at Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. And I want, as we read this, I want you to sort of categorize in your mind, is this sin or sinner? There are six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. He goes very smoothly from the sin to the sinner. There's a very close connection between the sin and the sinner, and that's That's consistent with the Bible because how are we judged? We're judged by our works. Each man judged according to his works. So there's a very close connection between the sin and the sinner. God hates the sin, but He also hates the sinner because of the sin. So that's, you know, what the the Bible says about God. But what does it say about us? What about our hatred? For us, again, most of the verses of our hatred where we're commended is our hating sin or bad doctrine. We're commended for it, actually. One of those that's familiar to us comes in Revelation chapter 2. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Commended for that. But we also have verses like this. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred and count them my enemies. Psalm 139, David again. So most of the time we are commended for a hate of sin, our own sin, or bad doctrine. 
Other times we are commended for a hating, but, but notice what this says here. Notice what David is doing here. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? I think that's helpful to understand. He's hating God's enemies and not his own. And that would be consistent with, with what Christ said. He said, do not hate your enemies. So I think that's helpful to distinguish which enemy are we talking about. Also, there's a number of, of cautions that we have as far as our hate. Zechariah 8.17, Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor. Or Leviticus 19.17, You shall not hate your brother in your heart. So if we are to take a stance of hating people, let us do it very carefully. Let us do it prayerfully with the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. And let's remember these warnings that we have. Let's remember that God hates a proud look. So I don't want to go beyond the Scripture. Let's just take our warnings from the Scripture on this topic. So this is, this is our exercise of hatred, of sin, bad doctrine, of God's enemies. There are a number of nuances that I wish I had more time to talk about. If, if you're interested in understanding this a little bit more, I can give you something on that. But there are things that, that are helpful to me and probably to you in understanding this idea of God's hatred. One of them is that, is that hatred is not necessarily binary. It can be on, a, on a, a, a scale. And we see that in the Scripture of priority, of hating your family in reference to how much you love God. Or things, things like hate, hate like love can be emotional. It can be action-centered. It can be volitional. It can be positional. There's a number of ways to look at hate, God's hatred in the Bible, and that's helpful. I just want to mention one this morning as we come to the table. One very interesting point, I think, and John Frame brings this out, that for God's people, there is a time where we are both loved and hated by God. Even those are indeed opposites. God can love us or hate us depending upon how He sees us. And of course, the difference is Christ. Frame writes this, We were wicked, and God really hated us. We were all headed for hell, but God loved us in Christ, Ephesians 2.4. Since that love went back before the creation of the world, Ephesians 1.4, evidently there was a period of time when Christ loved and hated us simultaneously. But now it's not so. Now, because of Christ, He doesn't hate us. He only, he only loves us. In the final analysis, all of, uh, in, in a difficult topic, the, the thing that we can say is that it's, it's biblical and edifying to say that God by nature throughout eternity is passionately opposed to evil. Frame says this, God is the supreme hater of wickedness.
And that's a wonderful thing for us for two reasons. First of all, we are no longer hated by God. Because of the completely successful work of Jesus Christ exemplified in the table, we are not hated by God. That's the that's wonderful thing. <clears throat> but another thing that's also wonderful is that God's hatred continues. Why would that be a good thing? That would be a good thing. That is a good thing because it's an advantage to us. He hates evil. He's on a mission to rid the world of it. He's on a mission to rid us of it, and he will be successful. As we dine with him, as we partake of of him, let's adore the hatred of God, the holy, perfect hatred of evil. Let's pray. Father, thank, thank you for revealing to us the fact of your hatred. Thank you for removing your hatred from us. Thank you for loving us in Christ. And thank you for continuing to hate evil, hate sin, and working to remove it from us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.